Hello, I'm Tim Marlowe, Artistic Director of the Royal Academy of Arts, and this event was part of the Festival of Ideas, an inspiring lineup of talks and debates with innovators from across the arts, brought to you from the new Benjamin West Lecture Theatre. Enjoy the podcast. Uh, my name is Nihal Arthanaika, and I'm a presenter on BBC Five Live and a former Radio One and One Extra DJ. And I've interviewed the man that is about to come out many, many times. And um, I think we can all agree he is a pioneer, an icon, a legend, uh, a man who has had to overcome quite considerable barriers uh, at various stages of his life to get to where he is. So let's not waste any more time. Ladies and gentlemen, Goldie! Take these off, take that off, get naked as they say. Be at uh, home. Um, we're going to do about a 10 or 15 minute Q&A at the end. Mm. Um, I'm always a bit of a headmaster with the Q&As. Q&As are not an excuse for you to make massive statements about where you felt liquid versus intelligent drum and bass went wrong. <laughs> it is in fact a chance for you to ask a very succinct question and the more succinct the more people can ask questions. So with that in mind, uh, while we're listening to Goldie, think of those succinct questions that you can uh, get to him and uh, leave the other stuff for a blog that you might wish to write in the future. Okay, hmm. Goldie. I was watching uh, Bombin, the documentary that was made by Dick Fontaine in mm. 87. You were like 21, 22, I think. At Younger, the time. I think. I was 18. Were you that I'm 53 young? now. So I'm, 53 I, I'm not going to do the maths. I'm, I'm not going to do the maths. But, um, two weeks, people. But. <laughs> But one thing that was interesting, really interesting about it was this sense of you needing to escape, mm. of art being a way of you escaping, mm. escaping from a concrete jungle, but also escaping from things that had happened to you. Yeah, it's really weird that, you know, life does actually work backwards. If you, if you, if you take away all your devices and all that stuff, which is a very big distraction, you know, I started doing a lot of research on trauma, you know, having been the main thing in my life. The main domineering factor was my mother. The relationship was a very tumultuous one. Um, you know, in a, very, in a very Freudian way, regardless of how bad either of those parents are or what happens through their life, you always gravitate towards your mother. There's always the emotional, the emotions that are attached to that. Whereas my father's a very numbing experience. You know, I, I, I think the, the idea first came about by every time I hurt myself, it was always on my left-hand side. I brought my hand like nine times. You know, I was stabbed in my left, my elbow. All the injuries I ever had was the left, the, the left femur, which was a spiral fracture of the left femur, which got me into yoga when they said I'd never walk again. Again, was, was you know, was a kind of self-subconscious sabotage. And, and when my mother passed away and I, was, I had the honor of being with her, and uh, I always think that what the first book was about was it's the idea of being what we, how we gauge success. And you just start naming everyone and how great the party is and, you know, who you slept with. Um, and it's a very negative way of looking at it. But then you, you know, I process that. And I, I, I always wanted to sabotage all of that success because ultimately at six in the morning when you're looking alone and you realize that you can't buy it all you can't buy any of that freedom and I'd be on islands in the middle of nowhere thinking I'm yeah I've made it but you haven't made anything and so you've actually grown through the process of 
of honoring your mother and finding empathy to realize that she was a young girl. She had a, a very, very violent father. And so things like the Hoffman and the EMDR treatment was something that I just, just finished. Just explain Hoffman. Hoffman was when you decided 10 years ago to go into therapy. Yeah, the Hoffman process was a guy called Bob Hoffman and I did a lot of research on that. I'd been to rehab, it just didn't work. I just found people sprinkling cocaine on cornflakes in the morning wasn't the way to go, <laughs> to go What forward. kind of weird rehab was that? Yeah, well, it's, it's just that you find people that are there and they've been there the third time. Like, you know, you know all, of, all of your money can't buy even your rehab, you know? And you think, what am I doing here? And... Um, I lasted three days, I think. Um, dear Eric Clapton, can I have my money back? No, you can't. Um, but then you, you kind of start to realise that the art, the art and, 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 and music, all of a sudden I was being fathered by the street. I was fathered by, uh, by the street and I was mothered by the arts. You know, I gravitated to a, 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 a crew of like-minded people from New York that were very interesting, that were all kind of talking from the same page. And it was always about these people creating their names on the first internet, which was the train service. You can put your name on a train, it will send a message like a smoke signal from one end of the city to the other, and people would read it. And it was their way, way of showing their style you know, through the smog of the city in a language that people couldn't really read. And even to this day, if you look at, you know, if you look at Great Wall style, it's unreadable to a lot of people. But to graffiti writers, it's our safe haven. We can read it. And it's the language of, of a street culture that even, even now has been very misunderstood in that sense. And um, so gravitating towards... Once you find the father and, you know, we become angry like the father, we get really aggy with the music and it becomes about that. But then we start to realise about what love is and how many words we have for snow, as the Eskimos said. There's a hundred words for snow in their dialect. Didn't two, I think. And there's different kinds of love. You know, I loved, you know, I loved my cat. I loved my goldfish. I loved my auntie Rhoda that looks after me. But I had to find out true layers of loving so ultimately finding the ultimate love is to love yourself and love the idea of expressionism and how in all of the relationship I had with my mother you know making making Saturn's return was a very difficult album it's also the Greek tragedy album I think mother will always be you know god forbid touch wood that you know I, I lived to an old age but I think it will always be a Greek tragedy it's a piece of performance art that piece I always wish that someone would make that into you know I see it and I, and I always visualize how that piece looks like you know it's like the red tube you know with red fluid inside with a, 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 a human wrapped as a ball who falls onto a black tarred entrance onto a theater hall and comes out of the slime and begins this journey as a child through all of the urban community and his surroundings and starts to see this treadmill of ideas going past and the idea of searching for a mother. And I think, you know, making that record and, and creating it on a legend, which is one of the techniques I'd always have to do, being dyslexic and being synesthetic, seeing stuff and having to, to talk through an engineer. It was really interesting because that process for me you know, I always knew very early on I was never going to be an engineer. I always knew I was always going to be an artist. 
You know, I, I mimed the Stranglers' Rattlesnore Vegas album and built a guitar instead of buying a guitar because I thought making one would be better, <laughs> even though it's a fake guitar. Uh, you know, it, and I think, it's a, it's a, it, I think that's also the idea of feeling as a child so fragile that you couldn't be someone. I just flirted with the idea of, 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 of a building. And there's a great story in this book. I was moved from one place to another in the daytime with the classroom, not unlike this, where you walk in and everyone looks at you and you try and have very little eye contact with anyone. And so we've got Clifford with us today and he's, he's just here with, for us for a little while. And, um, and he's gonna sit with us in the art class. And we sat in the art class and they came and they gave me a lump of plasticine. And I just got the plasticine and I put it on the table and I looked at my hands and they were sweating. I said, beads of sweat. And, and um, I looked at the lines and I saw the sweat, like little rivers. And I started to make with this plasticine a round ball and, and small wheels and a pram with a hood. Big wheels at the back and small wheels at the front. And this teacher came across and said, this is really wonderful. I want you to show everyone in the class this wonderful thing you've made. And I came up and I held it out in my hand to the classroom. And I just crushed it and threw it on the floor and ran out. And I realized two things that day. One, I was going to be an artist for forever. And two, I wanted to be mothered. Because the pram... Can was... I suggest a third? Huh? Can I suggest a third thing? Yes. That and I've come across this a number of times with artists, <laughs> is that your hand is always hovering above a self-destruct button. Yeah, it, there's, I mean, there was always that. Because you can't take that well, you can't, you, love, yeah, right? You, you can't yeah. take that adulation. Yeah, you can't take the love. And I think that's the, the Hoffman was a massive part. Because, you see, we always, we, we have this great way of humans of going to, to these places to do stuff and to, re, to reinvent ourselves. But we always empty the box and we take lots of objects out of the box. But we never deconstruct the box that's holding the objects, the seams of the box. Unfolding the flat pack and looking at an aerial view of what's made the box. My mother and my father, my father was an island man. He came to this country working in the foundries. He had a white woman he could be with and travel the country and do what he does. And my mother fell in love with him. And she was confused by it. a lot of the times he wasn't there. It was a very uncouth way of him going about life. So, but you become your parents in, in both aspects. But I think loving art and having... All I remember, I mean, there's a great, another documentary called The Alchemist, where I, I found my art teacher, Mr. Hurst, who I love to this day. He's his retirement in, party. You surprised Yeah, him. he's surprised him on his retirement party. I actually came and walked in, and he was looking at a screen, and I sat next to him, and he did clog me. <laughs> and he looked, and then he, what? And he just completely freaked out, and we both started crying like babies. You know, but it's a man who, who put me in front of a window and said, you need to draw these things. You can sculpt. I was good at sculpture, but I couldn't draw very well. And he got me through my O-level at the time, an O-level examination. And it's the only thing I've really loved. And then, of course, when this culture came along, it's such an explosive culture, because people always associate graffiti with, with hip-hop for some reason. I get, I get it, it's in the same box. But, you know, when I interviewed Lee Quinones on an interview which will come out next year, I did it about five years ago. He's always been my hero, Lee, because... You know, I said to him, when did, when, did it really, when did you really remember you know, the beginnings of graffiti? Now, Lee's not a big guy. He's a very small guy. But he did these massive pieces on the trains, really big, 
big top-to-bottom cars. And he said that his mom took him on a train to Manhattan to watch King Kong. And he sees the letters King Kong, and he sees all these big letters, you know, a font. And um, he was getting off the train, and he smelt this ink. And it was a smell that he hadn't smelt before. <laughs> it's probably you smell all day, all day, you don't realize you're smelling it. And um, he, 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 stopped, he stopped in his tracks, and his mother was trying to drag him off the train. And he said, what is that to this kid? He's writing this name. And the kids around him said, it's you, it's all of us. It's where we're from. And uh, it changed his life forever. And inadvertently, he changed my life forever in the way that graffiti being the, the bastard child of the art form. I think graffiti, graffito, the Latin word graffiti, has done for the art world, you know, contemporary-wise, what, what drum and bass music did for electronic music. It turned it on its head. And it's still, under, under, you know, you can't understand it at six in the morning. You know, it will never be played on daytime radio, the stuff we're talking about. And I think that the, now there are more people like Howard Nozum, which are part of the same crew, it's Tat's crew, which is my, my family, and I look at what they're doing with murals, and you look at people like Love Pusher and these guys that are doing amazing things. And, and what, what did Brim teach you? Because well, Brim was... Brim, Brim Fuentes came from yeah. New York and, and part of that documentary, and you were with him, and then he kind of took you very much under his wing. I was under Brim's wing for a long time. He came to the Shaw Theatre, we came down to visit from Birmingham, and I was looking in Subway Art, like the Bible book of, of where we've come from. And um, that just, the idea of people blowing up letters, presenting them to the world, and then creating this, two, this two-dimensional into three-dimensional, into 4D, into Escher. And it's become Escher in the way that that. Brim taught me a lot. What Brim taught me was the social impact. You know, all of the naysayers. And he wasn't the greatest at style. In the same way that, that, that when I look at the way that paintings were for me, he was an all-rounder. And he's, he's, he's the message that he had. And he wanted to find Liverpool and Toxteth. And he wanted to go to these areas off-piste to what he was told, just stay in London. But he wanted to go and visit these places where the riots had just happened. And Wolverhampton riots had happened and Birmingham Toxteth riots had happened as well in Liverpool. And he came to see us and he was kind of blown away that these, these young people that were emulating this, this subculture. Did he find an affinity? Because he was from the South Bronx, which was a terrible area to have He found an affinity with, with Heathtown, where I come from. It was you know, it's a very great place to live. But a kid said to me on a, on a plane yesterday, you know, he said, you know, it's, you, 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 it's been a massive inspiration, and, you know, you, you, they say these kind words, but we're all the same now. It's just played catch-up, that's all. And I think that I've just smiled to myself. There was a, there's 100,000 million kids like me now. I felt very alone. You know, this, this Pioneer Award thing, they said, you know, it's a Pioneer Award. We're going to give you a Pioneer Award. These are what, the AIM Awards. I didn't know what week. it was. But I, when I say pioneer, it equals moving target for me. Because at the time, I was just a moving target. Because people don't really understand, you know, Timeless is a great album and all that, and it's genre-defining. But it didn't chart. It didn't do anything I was supposed to do on the tin. 
but it's looked back on as being a great time. And I always knew it would be that. It would serve, it would be the decoy for me. It would be a statement of intent. Um, I always knew that it would do what it was going to, it was going to be a timeless record. And it's, but I, the idea of moving on from that and reinvention. And, and David, Mr. Bowie always said to me, look, man, this is, this is the first ride, man. This is a few of these. You're going to get out of a few car wreckages before this is through. Well, he knew a lot about change. And, and, he, and, and he always taught me about reinvention. I think that's why I moved to Asia, because I, I do. But is that, how much of that is change and reinvention? And how much of that is running away? Um, in, the, in the first part instance, it was always running away. Having control over your life is, is the difference. Because when you don't have any sense of control, so, so for me, going into a studio and creating music vicariously through very good engineers that think they're good engineers, having to break them down first as a person right. was a bit of a playful thing for me. I would have fun. Because it's almost like how I was always approached by social workers. We've got to try and see what is in Clifford's head. <laughs> and I, I, would, I would have to deal with this from a very early age. So sometimes no I would... I never succeeded that. Well, no, because I'd always use the clock. I'd always think I've got two hours, an hour with this social worker, and let's see how far they get. I give them a wall of silence, <laughs> and let's see how they get on. And they, and they might, and, if, and then one of them one day said to me, let me look at your drawings. And I was like, right, this person actually cares about me, how I'm feeling. And one social worker got really close and wanted to foster me. She, got, she had to move on, or she could no longer look after me. Um, but the idea of reverse engineering that idea. Part of that was to do with anger, wasn't it? A lot of it's to do with anger. You see, that's what the, the, the whole process of being angry in the first place is when you, you do that first album and you go to the world, yes, you're kind of doing the wrong thing, but you're young. Because I started very late. I never made a record till I was 27. I never started yoga till I was 44. Chances are, kids, things might change around here. That's when most people start yoga. You know, and, and I, so, so I'm a bit of a late starter, and I still think that my greatest work could come with the help and support, though, I think. I've, I don't feel like I've... It's unfair to say I've been supported, but I think it was always the wrong support for the wrong reasons. I felt that, you know, for me, it was support. I had drug support for years. Hey, got some drugs? Yeah, cool, I'll be there in a minute. It's always the wrong thing. But I think we always <laughs> lament for the, for, the, for, the, for the... There's a lot of the young people passing now over the news in the last few days. But that, but that brings you, me back to a point you made a few moments ago where you said, as a child, you said, I'll never be a success. Mm. So is that still there, that feeling? The idea now isn't there as much. The idea of great changes. Six, seven years ago, I did a, a great experiment at the guys' hospital and it's where we've only been able to wire the human brain of late. And one of the guys that I really admire and respect is a guy called David Eagleman, if anyone's familiar with his work, the cognitive brain and how it works. And of course, I also look at the arts, faith, and science. And they're, they're all, they're, they have to run on a parallax. One, they have to coexist, like yin and yang. They have to coexist. One cannot defy the other. It's imperative that people understand that. Science can keep trying to search for more things. They will keep finding another module. They'll keep finding another gene. Bigger the lens, bigger the gene. 
It's an infinite, we, we can't comprehend and get our heads around infinity. That's the problem with the human condition. Because we begin at this mark and we end at this mark. But we come from darkness, we come from the negative force of this universe, which has exploded into a conscious child. And the idea of unraveling and the child growing, we, we almost think the universe already has to be an adult, but the universe is very young in that respect. So the idea of looking at the brain and analyzing the brain while, it was, while, while you're consciously awake, within the limbic system, it's like a, a hundred thousandth millionth of a, of, a, of a size and there's a pin within the old brain. When we show photographs and images of trauma, guns and knives and blood and bludgeoning, it illuminates in lilac. And when we play Marla, Marla's fifth, and we, and we play music that we like, it resonates with us, and we show them art, it illuminates in lilac. It looks like it's in the same place, but it isn't. It's adjacent. It's like an archetype. So we realize that flight or fly, fear and running, it's from the same place. It's why rappers or people from urban communities are very successful. People that have suffered from trauma, they're either very successful or they, they have troubles all of their lives or they implode. So what's the distance between the triggers that bring the trauma to the top again and to the that. triggers mm. that create the okay. art? So within that spectrum in the limbic system, we also realise we're finding now it's where the memory's kept. We have this thing, the, especially in the memories. urban community, yeah. We have the trauma and it's an emotional place we go to. So if I get triggered, let's say a guy cuts me up on a traffic in a car. The old me, 20 <laughs> years ago, would stop his Ferrari, get out and chase him down the road. <laughs> Why? What am I thinking? Because it's triggered. It's triggered with the shame. I remember shame, that old you, brother. Shame, shame plays scary. a massive role in our past. Men um, over 40s suffer a lot with depression and suicide. It's 40s plus because we cannot handle the shame. We cannot deal with the idea of putting our laundry out and airing it. So where the memories are kept, we go to the wrong place. So it's about moving the memories of where that is. So we're constantly trying to soothe the, the art with the arts. And if we can do enough of the arts and put people in the right positive place, the art is a very therapeutic and beautiful thing to be able to do. It registers with us in a way. But the memories are still there. I just did this MDR course where you, know, you have these pulses in your hand and you're moving and you're watching the light go from left to right. And what I'm actually doing is departmentalizing where those thoughts go. And it's a beautiful way to treat people. I think the difference with the way that we're looking at young people, especially within the arts and how we're wired, government especially is the biggest culprit of, you know, build parkour play, you know, give them walls to paint on. You can't suppress this. You can't suppress the arts. We've been scratching on walls from, from the beginning of time. Mm. And it's weird that I think that most of the adults that control the finance and the money of where, we, where we're at as a kind of people, they forget that they were children. And the Hoffman reminds us that we are children and reminds us that our parents were also children. And addressing the arts, the economy that comes with all of that as well, around surrounding club culture and all of this stuff, the arts has proved to me 
that even from a reverse engineering perspective, this is a beautiful thing for everyone to celebrate. But, and we but, should... but Goldie, you are a polymath. You're someone who's created various different art forms. When you're DJing, it's an art form. It's a building of sound. When you're in the studio, it's building of sound. When you're in the studio and creating artworks. But yet none of that was enough. Well, because it's like a car crash. I know it's coming and I hit the brakes and it's black ice. So I've just got to get everyone that I love out of the car because I know it's coming. And I've had that car crash a few times in my life. But I'm realizing now that hydrogen, power of water, the idea of, the idea of, well, stop putting your foot down then. You know, the acceleration for me has decreased in such a way. The, the self-destruct mechanism, you have to be able to move the memories first. You know, I can't help what I am. But what I can do is change and the one thing, when I'm walking now, and I'm walking and I realise I might get a little bit angry, I've just got to make sure that I make enough space for my friend. And he's the boy. My boy. He's inside of me, or the girl. We, I suffocated the boy. I created Goldie as a guise to protect Clifford. Goldie became his thing. This was the mask. Everything, the mask. It's yeah. a, there's a great painting called yeah. The Boy and the Mask. And, um, and as soon as we realized that the boy and the girl in all of us are the most important creatures that we can have, because Clifford Joseph Price, this young, snotty-nosed boy, when I'm painting now or making music, he's the one who's with me. Um, you should go back. Yeah, he's just here. If you, yeah, I'll okay. show you. The boy in the mask. Yeah, here he is, bottom left. <coughs> it was a... Sorry, it's not in high definition. These are new paintings of mine I did in Asia last year. There's lots of layers. And I painted my own eyes as a warrior and cut them out and readjusted them with this idea of, of the heart. As you're looking at the heart, it's, it's on the left-hand side to you, but on my side, it's not there. It's, on, it's in the wrong place. It's just the idea of shifting the heart in my own self to the right place. And um, it's a show that I'm probably going to be... I don't know where I'm showing it yet, anyway. Um, but the idea of these paintings and the idea of the beautiful roadster, you know, I, I remember as a kid, because what happens when you do all of these treatments with EMDR and Hoffman, is we start to live again. My life is in reverse. My birthday's in two weeks. I'm going to be 13, I think. <laughs> I think I'm going to be 13. Angry young teenager comes coming all over again. Um, but in a really cool way. And I remember sitting with a kid and watching these go faster stripes on his car. This beautiful car pulled up and this kid just went like that with an ice cream. And I just saw the ice cream hit it. And so these memories come to us. Um, and I, I, just, I just enjoy in the same way of, of building music and the idea of, I mean, this is one of the Thai lady boys, the king and I. The idea of these lady boys who were delivering furniture to my there you house. Go. <laughs> yeah, I had, we had an IKEA delivery in Asia, and these lady boys were delivering furniture. It was amazing to watch. They just came in, and these really burly guys. Yes, he in. did actually say lady boys were delivering furniture to his house. Just yeah, to, they just came if in. Anyone yeah. was confused about what he yeah, just said. Yeah, they, they came that in. That actually happened. They delivered the furniture, and then they, they kind of walked away, and I was like, <laughs> it's really effeminately. And I went, what do you do? You, do you model? And they goes, they're, they're lady boys. I went, yes. My wife can make cake, and you can come and sit for me, and I photograph them. 
And, um, you know, obviously Marilyn is one of their biggest heroes. And the idea of tongue-in-cheek, never mind the bollocks being the pistols, you know, that I grew up on, and the idea of this ladyboy as taking them away um, was a very interesting idea. Again, because it's behind the mask. These people are bigger than life. They're so bigger than life itself. And they have a lot of trauma. But they, they live in a very harmonious position with Muslims in the village and Thai people, nationals, and these ladyboys. And, and it's a beautiful thing to watch. The tolerance is amazing. So I wanted to do this show in, in, in Bangkok in March, I'm hoping for. But the idea of adapting to one's environment. I am a Mac. I do have corrupted files. I've lost a few hard drives. <laughs> I'm gaining them back in such a way. You know, and the idea of sitting with sound. I sometimes, you know, pe people get very surprised because there's always this stuff that's around. It's always the mask of things. And I was with Nitin Sawney in the summer. And I did three tracks that I wanted him on the album. It's a new project called Subjective. I wanted to just get away from this project. And, and James Davison has been a very honorable engineer and, best, and good friend. And I decided to make a project called Subjective, which is two people with ideas. A bit like Eno with Tom Tom Club. And Raichi Sakamoto, who I really admire. I always wanted to work with Raichi Sakamoto. And the idea of me making down tempo music was like my idea of ambience. It's like, okay. It's called Subjective. And the first one, there's three albums. And the first one is called Music for Inanimate Objects, which we've all become these inanimate objects. All looking at phones on the train, which I find very amusing. It's when you're sitting next to someone on the train and they're actually Googling you. <laughs> and, you, and you're thinking, and, and, and I'm, I'm looking, and I'm looking, and I'm seeing my face on the screen, and I'm like, just, just, can you not just say fucking hello? <laughs> I mean, how hard can it be? But that's the kind of... It's not as if they need to double-check it's you, right? I mean, well, it's just the weirdness of, so weird. of how we've become and the idiocy of that. But the idea of being away and... and when I was working with Nitin, I said, I'm going to come in the studio and do this thing. And I came in and I said, set the mic up. That's what you're going to play. All the layers. So I started laying down all the harmonics and the layers. And he started playing. And I said, okay, now can you counterpoint that? And he sent me a wonderful email and he said, I just... I just never knew how you work before. It's always bothered me how you work and how people have said that you work. And I just have this instrument and it's just right in there. And I just can sing it, I can lay it down and you will play it the way I want you to play it. And it has to be exact. So there's a beautiful track on Journeyman called Run, Run, Run. And I would send these lines to Tyler Daly, Children of Great Zeus. Great voice, yeah. Young Stevie voice. Wonder voice. And yeah. I said, uh, you know, I was in the kitchen, Tyler, it's three in the morning, and you run, you run, you run, you run. We talked about running. You run, you run, you run, you run, you run. Up that hill. I live on a hill, by the way. And I go down the hill, and I go up the hill. But my life's like the hill. I go up the hill, I go down the hill. Up that hill. Katie said, up that hill. Katie said. And I record these recordings. 
and I'd send them to him. He goes, I don't know where they go. I said, don't worry about that. It's coming. So the creative process, I'm, I'm, I'm creating deity. So I will have a loop of sound and I'll create the deity. And sound's an unbelievable creature. If you stay with sound in a studio and you just loop the sound, regardless of its keys, and you just leave it looping and you just, the sound, the melody from a human condition will always come. The truth always comes. It's whether you're making a different type of music that's not the music you want to make. It's not going to happen. But creating deities, the idea of the swirling dervish, the idea of taking you to a sense of hysteria within that. So I'll create these loops and then this song and these pieces and then one day I woke up at three in the morning and I had a cup of Yorkshire tea. Always sorts it out. <laughs> and I went into the studio and I pressed play and I recorded it. And I called the email, wow, wow, wow. And it was from the very beginning. And I just did the whole vocal the way down and I sent it to him. And he went, I get it. It's like theatre. It's just theatre. Because Run, Run, Run is a kind of piece of music that you can you could hear a pin drop. And thanks to my wonderful man, David, here, who built my studio. This man built my studio. He flew to Thailand. I've known David for years. He built my first studio in... Tough He's built six or seven hundred studios, this guy, for a lot of people. And um, I love him for that. And he built this wonderful room. And, and David, I'm sorry to embarrass you, David. He says, it's got to be 120 centimetres. The speaker's got to hang. And they're, they're in the perfect listening, the perfect way of listening to music. So we, we wrote this, this, this album, Being the Journey, man. It's been the happiest album I've ever made. And it's a great piece. But the idea of the creative process, the idea of creating deities, the idea of putting my music on and going to the canvas and painting these aerial shots of Thailand, just looking from above of how the place is, and there's this great piece with these cities and, the, and these buildings, looking up at the sun reflecting off all of the buildings. The ant looked up at giants. And I think the idea of that, there's an archetype, the ant looked up at giants. And I remember in the first book saying, there's a, I'm walking to the tube station and there's an ant and I crush it and I walk on. Did I crush it unconsciously or consciously like a child, just crush it like all boys have done and ended this, this reign of this ant? Tiny creature. My path of faith towards that creature, you know. I, I think about the... What if I didn't tread on it? Where would it go? Would it build? How would it move? So the idea of thinking about impermanence and where we are and how trauma plays a massive role to young people now. The idea of isolating them and just getting a bigger police unit, that's going to work, isn't it? You're so confident. No one would ever accuse you who sees your public persona, the mask, as being anything other than confident. But how much of a role does your inner fragility play in making music. You've said, and in fact, in all the art you made, you've said, of course, about how you're surrounded by banks of machines, but what you're constantly looking for is the soul. Great, Chris. Um, I love it because you get the smiley pants engineers and they come and you just break them down. You break them down because... What's, what's the smiley pants? Well, the smiley pants is when they've just got all these technical stuff, all this thing, and it's just knob twiddling, and I hear it when I listen to music. I don't want to hear knob twiddlers. I want to hear soul. I want to, I want to go to the canvas and I want to push 
the canvas away for you to see. And the idea of, the idea of you guys just visualising from zero to here. And I'm going to start here. This is from your perspective, by the way, so I'm doing this in reverse. I want to create a minute here. And it's going to be a seven minute long, you know, seven minute long. It's a minute. And I'm going to open you up here with some sound. Strings here, bass line here. And I'm going to create this here. But the breaks will run through here. They're going to be changing here. Two minute mark, I'm going to trap them over. And I'm going to expand them with live drums here. I'm going to move to the horn section here and bring that down. And I'm going to create the same string arrangement. Change it, bring in a few octaves down here. So you're creating the visual picture because there's a landscape that, that it's waypoints for me. It gets easier as I get older because the landscape's there. It's when we can't do it anymore because we're so muddy. So the idea of yoga, for example, the idea of peace, peacefully finding oneself in the mirror. Because again, you have the yin and yang. The mirror, well, that's the ego, isn't it? Well, why do we have the mirror if it's not about the ego? There's a constant fight with trying to look at the child. I don't look at my selfie, my eyebrows. I want to see the child. I want to see the Clifford. I want to see him. I want to look through my eyes and go through there. And I find that within the yoga of finding the clarity. And I, I, we swim in water. But how clear is it? And do we know how much depth we have? The idea of losing yourself in yoga to the point where you have like whiteies, where you feel like you're leaving the room, the euphoria of it all. Because you know that classic Richard you know, Ashcroft, when the drugs don't work, right? Mm. But the idea of pure serotonin release, finding that in yoga, is quite an amazing thing. Because there are 90 minutes for me to play with. And I go to the top of the mountain, and I'm going to go back down the mountain. And if I reverse 44 minutes there, and I fast forward 44 minutes there, how much would I pay for that if it was a drug in the middle? I'd pay a lot for that. <laughs> but I don't like paying people anymore. Do you ever it, think the drugs would make you a better artist? I think to a certain degree, I'm not going to lie to you. I think from a young perspective, I think that there are certain boundaries. The mind is a very complex thing. I think the older you are, finding the right situation for your life. I think that the purest form of going through the filter, this is just a very big filter, this planet. Why are we even here? The idea of existence, the idea of finding this, this, this big snow cone that we shake and we find our way through it, you know? And we're all waiting for it to settle. You know, I had the, the feeling of Marla, all week, I've had Marla on my mind, all week. Marla's fifth. And I remember Ivor Setterfield. I phoned him yesterday. The universe is a strange place. I phoned him yesterday. I had this urge to call him. And he said, my father died Monday. And I said, weirdly that you said that, Ivor. I've been playing Marla all week. He said, I put it on his pillow on Monday and played it to him before he died. Because I knew it was his piece that he loved. I think if we, if you love someone, tell them you love them. If you want to paint something or create an idea, just record it. If you want to write it, write it. Find the pad. You know, all of this stuff, the reason why I refused to be an engineer and the reason why I have 
hard drives and these things everywhere is because they don't mean anything to me. What means something to me is we're accelerating time through technology. There's a danger with that. It's the bell effect. But the idea of going to Asia and slowing down my own life. I wake up, and you said about the idea, I'm going to answer the question now, fragility. I knew you'd I get am, there eventually. I am, I am an absolute jellyfish. Really electric. Shockingly electric and colourful. But if you take me out of my immersive depth, I'll just be like a plastic bag just thrown onto a beach somewhere. Still, even after Hoffman, after MDR, after No, but, I, but it's, I choose this ocean. That's the difference. I choose the ocean I'm surrounded by now. It's just an ocean to me. And it's such an infinite ocean. It's space now for me. Because I accept infinity. I accept I'm only here for a minute. I need to, my legacy is, is now. The present is the legacy for me. What we do today creates tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. I can't wait to paint. I cannot wait to play music. The idea of painting as much evidence as I can to say I was a good human. I don't want to paint so you can think that you assume what you thought I was thinking. The idiocy of human beings, I think Basquiat was thinking this. I think he was thinking this. No, he wasn't. You know what the fuck he was thinking? Because <laughs> he was thinking. And we, we, we kind of do that like the carcasses of meat. We present them. Look at this wonderful meat. Imagine all of us all chopped up in a supermarket, all pieces of us all chopped up. There you go. Yeah, look at us. Beautiful. On sale. Well, we do that anyway. We don't need to look any more stupid than we do. And, and the, the native Indian woman told me, I did a wonderful reading once, and she said to me, you're standing in a line very impatiently and you're holding a bowl of fire and you're so hot in your hands and you just can't wait to give it to me and you give it to me and may I remind you though with your bowl of fire that human beings anyone any creature that can stand up on two hind legs is dangerous remember the animal that you are so I'm kind of I'm really happy that I know very little about life now, and I understand more about the help for young people coming through, and how, you know, I've, I've all, I've, the things I want to do, please give me the money to do Holtz Earth, he never did it, please let me, you know, show a creative theatre of Mother and the tragedy of what it really is, of how it's supposed to, how it's supposed to look. Please don't let people make it a complete, like, turn me inside out like a leather glove and have no idea of what I'm about. The idea of being misunderstood. I chose graffiti and drum and bass music, for sake. How could I make it any harder? Because, like the girl, woman said, you, you are a hayoka. My whole life is backwards. Sometimes I trip over something, I don't know where it is, but it's backwards. And now I understand what that is now. The idea of my life in reverse. As an artist, I feel like there could be greatness. Think about those people, Miles Davis, Mingus, how they wrote. Da Vinci, those ideas, that's greatness. 
The, the illusion of computers and the idea of thinking was so fantastic. Have you achieved greatness? No. How far oh. away are you from it? Mm, a couple of percentage off, I'm getting there. <laughs> I'm really trying to crack that code. I, I, I think the, the, the idea of what, what's possible for, for, for me, I think, is, is, getting very, is getting close. I, I, I really, you know, if I go into a studio, I get out 99.9. .9. I'm really extracting CBD. I'm getting pure CBD out of this. I'm getting right out. It's like, it's, if I see it, it's there. There's a, there's a great track on Subjective called Portrait, which is how a track writes itself. The idea of it writing itself from the beginning, and it becomes his piece. And of course, you know, Natalie Duncan is, is somehow in a past life, this woman. You know, it's the only woman my wife accepts outside of the marriage. She's beautiful, she's my muse, you know, she plays in the way that my mind works. And I've really enjoyed these projects for Subjective. They're not, they won't be out until February, the first one. The second one is called The Art of Simple Complexity, which leads back to this idea of how fragile I really am and how beautiful fragility is. It's beautiful to feel effeminate, or to give you a hug. It's beautiful to be able to hold your child. My, my daughter said something yesterday. She's seven years old, and I've had all of these kids in my life, and they're all older now, and they have a lot of trauma because daddy wasn't there. And it's, it's, it's a thing, I, I mean, the chapter in the book, it says, hey, kids, I'm really, firstly, let me apologize to my children. I speak to my son in prison a lot. And the idea of him, maybe his father wasn't there in the way he should have been. My daughter said, Coco, Sakuko, she said to her mother, she said, she was crying, she says, I'm like the pasta, mommy's the meatballs, and daddy's the sauce that puts us all together. <laughs> and I'm like, where did that come from? Now that's genius. That's greatness. That's the greatness. And um, that's the idea of, of, of being at this point where seeing this child have the greatest life that I never had is the most superb opus. But you could not have been who you are without the pain and the trauma oh, no. and the abandonment. There's a, there's a, great, the there's a great postcard, postcard, it's on my window and it said, um, I've learned so much from my mistakes in my life I'm thinking about making a few more. <laughs> a woman called Wendy Mandy gave this to me. A lot of she's a beautiful five-element acupuncture, which is a yeah. good doorway yeah. for you guys. Not regular acupuncture, five-elements acupuncture. It's a very good grounder. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that greatness can only come with the support. And I feel that the moving target I spoke about I always felt like I had to try 10 times harder than anyone else, and I had to fight for a lot harder. I guess sometimes being a little bit too intense in meetings scared people somehow. We're speaking about most definitely how intimidating it can be. I am a softie. Um, <laughs> and also the idea of you know, how bad people can really hate on you. They, they, can, they, they, they can be a projection of their selves, of what they're not doing. And I find that, in the, in, 10 years ago, this happened a lot. And now they're just like, you were right. You know, we, you know it's just one of those things. But you, you, you know, incentive, if it was sold in cans in a supermarket, the shelves would be empty, right? 
So you have to go in there and label them yourself. But you can't put a price on them, can you? have to understand that. It's a dirty job, but someone's got to do it. The idea of taking some shit in my life, I'll take a bit more. I've had my fair diggings. People go, oh, well, you're so lucky. No, opportunity, circumstance creates the luck. You have to place yourself in that moment. Mm. You know, so the idea for me in moving forward is what version of me do I want to be today? Can I be the best version of Clifford today? Could I be the best version of myself? Some days I don't. I'm not perfect. You know, I, 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 um, I struggle sometimes. I'm tired. I go to yoga. I breathe. I think that's better. And, and, I, and, I, and, I, and, and, and people say to me, you look so peaceful, man, doing this, man. It's like, whoa. I'm like, I'm raging inside, man. Believe me. <laughs> He's screaming. I'm really screaming at myself. And I think once... There's a few times that has happened within, the, within the, what we call the whitey, this, this place you go to in yoga. And I feel like I'm going I'm to go. And I think, well, that's the same feeling I had when I used to do lots of drugs. Oh, I'm really fucked up. I'm going to do some more. What are you thinking? You're trying to destroy yourself. The idea of self-destruct. It's imminent. Look at the way we're looking at memes. Look at the way that we're looking at each, at each other. We, we're, we're a creature that is hell-bent on destruction. Really? So, we need a female president, right? Because behind men are the greatest women, man. I really mean that. And I had this with a guy, you know, I'll never forget it. It rattles me sometimes. This guy, he just berated this young lady who was serving him all the money in the world this guy had. We had a drink. And I went to the bathroom and this guy's taking a piss and he's just there with his hand on the thing. He's just in his nice suit. And I just came next to him thinking, that's a bit small. <laughs> and he said, I said, you know what, man? That thing there with it. He goes, yeah, man, the service. I went, no, no. I said, you do realise that you came to this world through a vagina head first, mate, yeah? That's how you came here. Have a bit of respect. And I think that's only been taught for me through the empathy of the flower, the empathy of women are everything. Mother Earth is everything. I'm just one of these petals within the bloom, if you like. This is a first. Goldie describing himself as a petal. You have an exclusive. He's our guy. He's our guy. But that took you a while. I'm conscious we've got 10 minutes left. But that learning to love femininity and women is something that took you a while, wasn't it? It's a difficult one, because you, you end up finding all these women that weren't your mother. You know, that, oh, you're going to let them, you're going to let you down, abandon them. Or you'll just quickly dispose of them, because you think you're trying to... And that's, that's the repetitiveness of stuff. But then, you see, that's why mother will always be that, and the idea of, of, of opening to that fragility. And the effeminate's beautiful. You know, finding the effeminate within yourself is amazing. And the idea of that... I think when mother passed, there was this, this massive elastic bands. I mean, I'm just going to ask you a question, any of you. When was the last time anyone like, felt your belly button? When was the last, but you're really honest. When was the last time? You're like, oh my God, he's on chew with me. I did it this morning. Like, when was the last time you actually went like that and felt it? 
It's weird, isn't it? When you think about it, it's the one thing that connected us. The one thing that connected us that we haven't felt for a while, and it's a very sensitive thing. It's not your vagina, it's not your penis, it's, it's the cord that took you from your mother. And when those elastic bands broke and they went back to my mother, the, elast the elasticity of when we lose someone. And this is a thought I, wanna, I'm, I might leave you before we have this Q&A thing. And this is the thing which is it's the ego struggles with, which is why you have to be about the effeminate, in a sense. But close my eyes. I can hear the hum. I smell a bit of cardboard. I heard the door close. The idea of present... This is heaven. Hell, as we see it, is not being able to remember any of it. Now, that doesn't mean I'm an atheist. It just means whatever that comprehension is as a humankind, as a vessel, if you like, is that within this time frame, it's only going to be biased because of being a man and being where I am. Anything else is far beyond that situation. So the idea of people being present because the government left it to these kids and they left it to their own devices. They're not being present. There's the idea of not caring for the moment and being present because we leave it for the next generation. Let's, fuck it. Let's leave it over there. Let's blame mum and dad for everything. We have to take a little bit of that on board ourselves. Um, so that's my, my, my old thing is that, you know, it's an, and the idea of David Eagleman turned me on to that very thought. There's a great book called Some. It's a very small book. We're running out of time. I'm sorry, but we I think the, the important thing is that the government needs to completely have a rethink. I think the government should all be fired and new government should be in place. No, because, because, because you have to, you know, no phones in schools. Take them out. Why should they be in schools? The idea of the private industry just keeps selling us and feeding us in the consumer world we're in. Appreciate the arts. We should have free arts for people. We should create these places. We should create more. There should be yoga. There should be yoga in prisons, which they're doing in Australia, and all this. There wow. should be free yoga masks given up by yoga studios for sure. The way of thinking has to go from the latency of the chain on the bike that keeps coming off time after time. The chain needs to change. The cogs have to move to make the chain tighter. Can you not see it's falling off? Mm. I it. think we're a society steeped in crime and punishment, not in therapy not and in rehabilita therapy. Yes, and rehabilitation. Exactly. Thank um, you guys, so much. We've run out of time. Ladies and gentlemen, Goldie! And can I just say that there are signed copies of Goldie's book available downstairs, I believe. So, uh, yeah, all things remembered by Goldie. There's signed copies and of this. And there's a good available. story about a cat in there, which I yeah. like. <laughs> Thank Every you. book needs one. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, have a look at what else is coming up in our brand new lecture theatre at roy.ac forward slash what's on. <laughs>